Hello and welcome to After the Bell Mirror Fighting's Boxing Show. Coming to you the morning after Anthony Joshua's night before a ninth round stoppage of Kubrat Pulev. More importantly, hopefully now he is a couple of steps further along the road to Undisputed. Please do give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, please do rate and review. I'm Martin Dorman, joined again by George Groves, Declan Taylor. This time we're live. This time we really are giving you the first in-depth word on the previous night's fights. As I said, we will go back through Joshua Pulev. We'll look ahead, hopefully now, to Joshua Fury. We'll talk about Canelo and Smith next weekend. And then we'll touch briefly on the debate that has raged this last week. Well, it's not really raged, but it's certainly been brought up in the last few days. Boxing's really bad, and we should just ban it and forget about it. So, first things first, Anthony Joshua did what he had to do. He stopped Kubrat Pulev in the ninth round. He had him down in the third, twice in the ninth, and then it was all over. George, we sort of talked about before, would we see the Anthony Joshua of old where he was, you know, knocking everyone out? Would we see Anthony Joshua from the Andy Ruiz rematch where he was a bit more controlled? I would suggest that we saw a bit of both. The third and the ninth rounds are very explosive. The rest of the time, he was he was quite controlled. Yeah, no, he was. He was. Obviously, he's maturing now as a fighter. He's, he's had a lot of professional bouts now, so he's he's got a lot more experience. And, you know, that's showing now there's... Yeah, it was it was cagey at the start, as you'd expect with two big guys. Um, lots of twitching and fainting. Pulev was very, very twitchy uh, at the start. Obviously, he's got height and reach that he's given away, so he doesn't want to give away any free shots. Um, but it was good. I mean, it, it took a little, like, took a round or so to to get going, um, and then once Joshua lands, like like many times before, um, the fight totally changes. Um, he landed a big, big shot in the third, put Pulev um, over. There was a, it was a bit where he sort of turned away. I thought the fight was going to be over, Pulev, and no, no one really pulled it up. But it was like it was bizarre where he sort of he, he turned away. I don't know if he'd lost his bearings of where he was in the ring or whatnot, but um, you know, I think the referee scored it as sort of like the referee uh, as as the the ropes keeping him up or something, but. Yeah, it was it was a very good performance from from Joshua. Like kind of what I expected. I think I predicted. I thought he would have gone a bit earlier. Like I thought he would have got rid of him within four rounds. Um, but Pulev showed how tough he was. Like great chin, super strong. Um, landed a couple of shots back himself, but was never really in the fight. Um, Joshua's got rid of his mandatory, and now it's a uh, same debate. When you know what's next? When we're going to see uh, the belts owned by just one guy? Devin, I don't know if it's just me or maybe it was just the occasion because of what is hopefully next year, but I can't really watch Joshua without feeling nervous. Like feeling, I always feel a little bit on edge. You'd never, I'm never quite sure. Even after that third round, I was never quite 100% sure he, was, he wasn't just going to take one. Uh, obviously, we saw it against Andy Ruiz. Uh, you were there. How did you rate his performance? Yeah, I, I thought it was a great performance. And But you're right. There is a thing now after that first Ruiz fight where... When he gets caught, you go, oh, is he gone? Is he gone? Is he gone? You never did that before. And boxing fans love that. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Um, he got hit hard. I think it was the seventh round. Seemed to get hurt as well. Um, Pulev landed a sort of Hail Mary right hand. That was always going to be his sort of honey punch. Um, I thought it was a good performance. And you're right. It was a bit of both. I actually think it was a bit of a third 
edge. So rather than it just being either this box and move or this aggressive guy, I feel like he's developed this third sort of type. And I don't know if it's as a result of his new or the developing relationship with his two additional coaches, but I've never really seen him use that sort of hand position before, particularly in the early rounds. There was a couple of times, like you say, where he just sort of reverted to type a little bit, but it's weird. It's like he's still learning on the job and still developing as a fighter as a unified heavyweight champion, which is um, a bit strange. Um, and it could be a little bit, who knows, it could be his downfall eventually, because it's almost like it reminds me of like, you know, if you've got a really good football team and you've got the Champions League final coming up, but the manager still doesn't know his best 11. And you're like, hmm, you still don't really know what Joshua's best best at. Um, but he got the job done. He was fit for purpose, clearly. Um, you know, a really good knockout. I mean, it was a little bit... Uh, did we really need to see that last shot, which was, which was an absolute icing for Pulev? Um, but I thought overall it was a good performance, and that little vulnerability is what people is what people want to see and what people tune in for. Um, it just makes me a little bit nervous. Well, it does make me nervous, but you know, you would be nervous if you're in the Joshua business when he's in against, or if and when he's in against Fury, or certainly someone like Wilder or someone like that. Um, but overall, great fight. I thought it was a really uh, absorbing. Um, sort of back and forth at times, actually, which I didn't expect. So we said last week that we thought it was going to be an, a quick job. I certainly did. I mean, he should have been stopped in the third round when he turned around. Let's be honest. That's a, that's uh, should have been stopped there. I mean, it wouldn't have been a particularly fun um, stoppage for everyone involved, but that what should have happened. And then it's a three round one, but it went a little bit further. I don't know if he gassed a little bit after trying to get him out of there in the third, took the fourth off, and then it sort of just there was a little bit of a lull and then he, he got back on it. But overall, it was great. And I've got to say, there was only a thousand fans in there. But I mean, whisper it. It felt like the old times. It felt like being back in the olden days where everything everything went. The only thing that was nice though, Martin, I've got to say, you'll know what I mean about this. But back in the olden days, journalists used to get properly crammed in. Like we'd have a, a row of seats designed for 10 people and there'd be 16 of us in there. It's ridiculous. There, I had so much space. I felt like a king. It was amazing. But you still had the crowd and everything like that. Floyd Mayweather turned up. It was just a little bit, a little glimpse of what life might be back to at some point in a boxing sense. Um, so, yeah, I certainly left buzzing. Um, I'm sure a lot of the fans did. And it feels like it feels like boxing's, a little, boxing's back and it kind of needed Joshua to, to help that along. I bet you didn't have any power, though. Uh, no, absolutely zero power. But what I will say, I was I was I was warned by um, Matchroom's head of media, Dan Barnard, absolute top operator. Um, but he rang all, all of us who were in the non-power zone and was like, Ch "Charge your stuff up, boys, because there's not going to be anything there." And because there's barely anyone in the arena, the internet worked. Because again, Martin, you'll know this, but if anyone's never uh, tried to get on the internet during a big fight like that, there's no chance there's too many people when you've only got a thousand there. Happy days. It's like it's like uh, absolute quicksilver. So um, yeah, all all happy, all good. <laughs> happy days indeed, Josh. Do you still see? I mean, Joshua, of course. Well, he has had plenty of fights, but do you still see him as a work in progress? And is that should he still be a work in progress, given that? Well, he's probably towards the end, closer to the end of his career, obviously, than than the start. Yeah. Well, no, I think I think in some ways every fighter should still be a work in progress they still want to always be able to uh evolve improve uh, make changes and and adapt um but what you i mean really what you're not seeing is 
glaring periods where someone in the heavyweight division looks real novice you know, they're making um, what you feel is like novice mistakes. Um, and sometimes Joshua, as well as many, many others in the heavyweight division, um, okay, uh, you know, are susceptible to that. Um, obviously, they're big guys, you know, they're not as mobile and agile as the smaller, smaller weights. They don't have as many fights. They hit harder. So, you know, the punches that they do land have a different effect. Um, but yeah, you know, I think um, now we're starting to see guys that remind you of the Klitschko's and, you know, Lennox Lewis, even I'm trying to think of big heavyweights who knew how to operate within the ring, you know, um, knew what their attributes were and knew how to nullify their opponents and get the job done. And I feel like you know, you've got Joshua and you've got Fury and um, they're probably now at the forefront of the two biggest guys who um, can change and adapt as such, you know, like even Deontay Wilder, like, you know, I, I'm a massive Wilder fan, you know, I'm just a fan, but it turns out I'm just a fan of that big right hand because, you know, there's times where he can't set the shot up. He can't let the right hand go. He's waiting for the perfect shot. There's no real plan B. And sometimes he makes catastrophic errors, you know, in the, in the build-up to a fight. Like when he says his costume that he's wearing towards the ring is cost, like weighs four stone and it's made his legs tight. It's like, come on. Like, you're supposed to be an elite-level athlete. You must know a bit more than uh, what you're letting on. But, yeah, I think I think it's an improved Joshua. Dex said he's got um, new coaches in in the gym now, and so far so good. You know, sometimes the, you know there's there's a struggle with the hierarchy amongst coaches, and you know someone will you bring in a new face and they want to show value, so they might want to take over, they might want to contradict the stuff you're doing already. But it seems like it's working for him. Um, you know, I think that was a another improvement last night from Josh. I thought that was another a, a better version of him. You know. Uh, after the, the Ruiz fight, the first one where he got, you know, he got stopped, there was that concern for me where it'd be like, right, there's so much at stake for, you know, I'm Joshua, there's so much at stake for me, so much money, you know, I've, I'm now I'm getting a backlash from fans that I've never had before. I'm just going to go safety first now and, you know, and then it, it's the Ruiz rematch where, you know, it doesn't matter how I win, I just got to win, get it over the line, um, 12 rounds. Safety first. Um, heavyweights, that's not that's not ideal. It's okay if you're, you know, sort of on your way up still. It's your first challenge, your Tyson Fury going to Germany and you want to, you know, fart and fiddle and nick a decision against Klitschko, who's been a dominant champion for a decade. That's great, you know. But even he has had to step up now, you know. He had the first fight against Wilder. Um where he was a hero for getting off the floor and, and and only getting a draw when people thought he should have won. The rematch, he has to go out dominating him and stop him. And he did that. And that's why he's come out with such popularity. And now where so many people um, believe him to be the number one in the heavyweight division. Um, and that's kind of, I think Joshua has realised that or the people around him have realised that. And um, great for the fans that Joshua's still happy to go in there, land big power shots, and um, get rid of get rid of the guys in front of me. I mean, P Pulev, you know, he's, he's 39 years old. You can't, it doesn't matter. I know heavyweights live a bit longer, but the legs always give away the fighter's age. You know, they just, they're not as mobile. They're just, they, they look like 
the flexibility he's got in them as such. And, you know, they're not as agile through the ring. You know, they might still have the power. They might still even have the chin. But um, that's what you're going to be up against when you're in there with a younger guy. Um, he'd only been stopped once before, only been beat once before by um, by Klitschko. So, you know, that's, it's a good record, Pulev. But um, I think all, all, all fight fans knew that... Um, it, you know, Joshua was a heavy favourite and most of us thought it was going to go early um, and Dex Wright couldn't. In, in theory, it should have gone early. Like, he turned away. Um, the fight should have been stopped there. Lucky for the fans, it wasn't. Pulev's stock would have risen because he showed, um, you know, good heart, good chin. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was good performance, real good performance from Joshua. I think I think we sort of saw another... another Another improvement and back to the original question. I think that's fair. That's a fair thing to have as a fighter is to to carry on making them improvements as long as there's no glaring, obvious um, inadequacies that you can only put down to like lack of experience. I wanted to, to talk about his, his Joshua's persona. Really, I mean, you had Friday the way in. Seems like an unnecessary, if you like, sort of uh, exchange of words. Pulev obviously started it from what I remember before Joshua even weighed in. And then on yeah, Saturday, the ring walk seemed a bit strange, the sort of voiceover, the, the video on screen before he came out. And then afterwards, I thought it was very strange, his interview. I don't know whether he just didn't want Tyson Fury to be any part of his night. You know, he wanted it all to be about him. He didn't want to start bringing him into it. But if you'd asked what's next when you've when everybody knows what's next, really, or what we want to be next, do you not just call them out? Just make get, get just get yourself on the front foot because you know Tyson Fury will respond as he did. And instead of people talking about what Joshua said to Fury, they're talking about Joshua really just avoiding it until he really had to say something, and then Tyson Fury taking full advantage. I thought it was bizarre that that whole interview. Apparently, he didn't want to do it at all. I mean, he even said that in the interview. He didn't want to do an interview, and it's like. Mm. Hold on a second. It is Sky. You know, these are the people that are helping you become a multimillionaire. Um, you got to do the interview kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me. It's a good one for George, this, because it's hard for us to imagine what it's like after having a fight like that, knocking someone out like that, and then having to sort of talk to the nation. Um, a bit strange. But I did find it, yeah. Uh, I thought I found Friday strange as well, because it's not like Joshua. And none of us, you know, none of us outside of his real inner team really know him at all. You know, as a journalist, you cover him, but he, he obviously presents something that he wants to be, to present, just like every other boxer does. So you can't really draw any conclusions from that. But there there was a slight change in that. There was that, you know, that happens at a weigh-in. And let's not forget, he's a, you know, he's a he's a fight. He, he lives his life fighting people. So it's not as if he's a, you know, a shrinking violet or anything. He's in there. And if someone puts it on him like Pulev tried to, then he's obviously going to react Um but it's just a bit, it's just weird, isn't it? Because we, we've obviously known Joshua and he's been in the public eye now for what, eight years, nine years, really, since he won the gold medal. Before that, if you were aware of him as an amateur. So, and even now, you're still struggling to sort of work him out. But the interview was weird. I don't know why he didn't take that opportunity to really call Fury out and put the ball in his court. I don't know if he's worried about over-promising something that he knows if, essentially is not down to him because he knows that certain things happen contractually and the fight won't happen and then it looks bad on him. So I don't know if that's in his mind frame or if he's just like, I don't want to give it Fury any shine. I'm not sure why he would want to do that because surely you want to build the fight. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what George says about that. Like when you do come out of a ring and they shove a microphone in your face, like how hard is it to compose your thoughts and, and be like, 
right, what do I say now? What do I want to convey here? Because I guess that's kind of what he struggled with. Or he made the decision to not talk about Fury. That was actually what he was trying to do. It was just, it, it was it was a weird one for me to get my head around. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Like, obviously, you've just finished a fight. You might have adrenaline going. I mean, it depends on how tough the fight was, is how calm and composed and how you got your thoughts together for the, for the interview after. But it's a massive, massive part of, of your career of, of, of the fight of the process so you have to get it right you have to nail it down you know you want and you want people to perceive you the right way you know sometimes for me it was like trying to make sure i'm gonna get the next fight that i need that you know that i want or to climb the ladder or you know whatever that may be that sometimes might be you want to antagonize a few people but you don't want to alienate yourself to everyone else you know so you do have to be really conscious of what you're saying and how you're presenting yourself and that's I think he didn't want to do it. As you say, like in the interview, he says, I don't even want to do an interview because he probably doesn't back himself at this point to, to get his point across well enough where he ain't going to get some backlash or come unstuck. He's up against Fury at the moment, who uh, is a genius, uh, as it turns out, when it comes to the public's imagination, you know, like the, the public's opinion of him. At the moment, he's riding, riding the wave where he can't do no wrong. Um, and essentially that's just because of his performances in the ring, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he, he, he's undefeated. He lost the belts. He, you know, he, he come unstuck. He fell on hard times, whether they were, however they were, um, put together at the start, like in terms of how they were explained to the public, people didn't care. You know, but then he goes out and he takes a fight against Wilder. Uh, and on paper, we're thinking, oh, he's been thrown to the Lions here. Um, and he gets off the deck in the last round, comes back to life, and, um, you know, uh, he gets a draw. So he's been hard done by. He's shown heart. He's got over depression, which is very important to people right now. He's lost all this weight. That's why he's so popular in America without being too rude. Like, you know, you get in a cab in Vegas and they know that guy who lost all that weight, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of people out there trying to lose weight. Um, and Joshua kind of his whole career, he could say and do whatever he wanted. And it was never, no one ever shined a spotlight on him. No one ever tried to pull him apart. If they did, there'd be enough people out there, influential people to attack you and to put you down. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, he he was the man to, to lead from the front in terms of developing sky, the partnership between, Sky Sports and Matchroom Boxing, who are the front runners in the UK and now a massive, massive um, part of boxing around the world. You know, they've got the most marquee name in, in heavyweight boxing. Um, but now, as I say, you know, he's up against Fury. Fury's very good. For, you know, he comes across, he, you can edit him down well. He's he's likeable. He's funny. Um, he's, and, and Joshua... He, I don't know, he, he, he's, it's difficult to tick every box, you know, to, to be real to yourself, to, um, you know, this year he's, um, he's you know, he spoke out um, for his, you know, his community and stuff like that. And then, you know, there was, there's always going to be a, a certain element of people you're going to alienate in that respect. Um, in terms of the fights, because of the performances in the ring, because he's boxed Ruiz and got beat, and then come back, and then people are like, you know, where have you had to work hard? Like they're comparing Tyson Fury. Like, oh, Tyson Fury had to had to go to the states and get off the floor and get robbed, and then finally he's getting his, 
his rewards. What have you had to do? You know, what's it's all been too easy for you, which ain't his fault. Every fighter wants to have the easiest and most successful route to the top. But um, if I was him, I wouldn't have it any other way. But it's you know, it's the anti Joshua show. You know, it's everyone in in and around there talking about anti Joshua. There's fighters at home desperately tweeting about the fight because they're hoping that their their name's going to um, crop up on you know the the ticker tape at the bottom of sky you know we cut to an advert and it's anthony joshua and then the next advert is anthony joshua you know so it's like it's the, it is it is the anthony joshua show and i just think in terms of um relating to the everyday boxing fan that makes it a little bit more difficult but if once a fury fight's made if he goes out and he he knocks fury out in seven rounds well then he's king of the castle again and he he probably knows that He's just not sure if it's going to happen. And he probably, you know, both their fighters are at the top of their game. So they're, they're probably, I don't know how confident are they of, of beating each other in, in, in that sort of way. So, yeah, it's um it's a, it's a real interesting one and how people are taking, you know, how people are thinking and feeling about Joshua. But he's, um I don't know, where, I don't know. May, who in his camp does he, does he sit and discuss strategy in terms of, what he's going to say and do afterwards, you know, he's very much promoting his management company now, which is five to eight management. They had Lawrence Acoli on the undercard. Um, I mean, Acoli was supposed to be fighting for a world title, you know, and then they, you know, uh, the opponent tested positive for coronavirus. They couldn't get him a replacement that WBO was sanctioning time. Um, so, He's, you know, what's his long-term goal here? It's kind of like, is he, is he, is he now moving, moving, looking beyond himself, boxing to the future? Is he, is he got like a, an exit strategy? Is he winding down? Is he looking? Does he want to go out on that big high, a big, you know, become undisputed, and then say, all right, you had me, I'm gone now. <laughs> you got to appreciate me while I'm here. Um, who knows? Who knows? It's definitely going to be a fascinating build-up, but I think if Joshua sort of carries on in this vein, I, I feel like it would be very difficult for him to endear himself to people, especially, it's one thing seeing him in isolation, but as you've said, George, Fury, whether you agree with it or not, whether you like him or not, he is a people's champion, right? People do relate to him much more, and I, I think that can, the, the sort of, it will only diverge between people not being too keen on Joshua and liking Fury as the fight builds up. Uh, I don't know. I, I disagree. I, I disagree. I think there's enough. First of all, I think there's enough of a clear parting of the camps already. If you're, if you like Fury, you hate Joshua and vice versa, basically. And I think that the general public still love Joshua and the casual fan who will be engaged by the buildup will still side with Joshua. I just feel like that. And George mentioned about who, who's, who's a, where the strategy lies in that camp. Freddie Cunningham's his manager, who they've been together from day one. Andy Bell's his press guy. So it's like they've been there from the very start. So this is all sort of part of the plan. Obviously, getting knocked out by Andy Ruiz wasn't. But they'll come up with a, a way of approaching this um, and not dropping the ball and working out how to... Because, to be honest, they haven't put a foot wrong for a long time. It only really went wrong in New York. Um, and we don't really know exactly what happened there, other than in the end he got beaten up by Andy Ruiz, but, you know, what happened in the build-up? Did they overdo it? How, you know, what went wrong there? But I feel like, I feel like Joshua will still come out 
in the build-up as the as the good guy, um, and it will be a very clear split. But I must say, I'm a bit concerned about the. I think there's huge hurdle, like colossal hurdles. Heckburn? No, I'm just saying, right like I can't, I can't right now pick, figure out how it's going to work because Anthony Joshua in the UK right now can't fight on anything but Sky. Okay. As far as I know, Fury could fight away from BT, so he could fight on Sky. But then in America, Fury's got a fight in, on ESPN and Joshua fights on DAZN. So then it's like, okay, but DAZN's a streaming service. Um, so does that allow then it to be on ESPN? But then who's going to buy the pay-per-view if you can get DAZN for $9.99 a month? So then they're going to be like, well, well, that can't happen because we won't make any money on pay-per-view. BT will go well, we can't split this pay-per-view because no one's going to buy it for us because we haven't got Sky Sports News. We haven't, you know, everyone will just go on Sky. We're not, we're not going to make any money. So already I'm like, how, I'm fascinated to see what the first call is because as far as we can tell, they've agreed 50-50. So it's like, sweet. That used to be the big hurdle. Actually, now that seems to be the, the easiest one. It's like 50-50 call. What about everything else now? I mean, I don't want to, I feel like, I mean, it's going to end up in Saudi and the money will be just be so vast that no one will really care about anything because the money would be absurd. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what approach they take and also how Joshua feels about, you know, he might be told to act a certain way or they might come up with a plan to be this guy and do say and do this. And he might not like that. He might not like that. He seems to be, you know, he's one of those guys where he does do it for himself. And like George said, he's clearly thinking about other things already. He's totally aware of what he's doing. Um I think it's going to be the next six months is going to be uh, from like a boxing business perspective is going to be really interesting. No, you're right. And, you know, we shouldn't assume that it's going to happen. But at the moment, as you said, the state of play is the 50-50 split would appear to be agreed. And both, you know, if Joshua didn't say it, Eddie had said it, it start, work starts this week. Bob Arum said work starts this week. So what's left? Is it for all four belts? That's up to the WBO. That's up to Alexander Usyk. And in a date, they've said April to June, a venue, I can't see it. You know, there's no way you get a full Wembley before June. You've got the Euros. So it, it surely is going to have to be Middle East. And then you're right. I mean, TV is, it is a situation, but it's not. I mean, you've just explained that to me and I understand it. But like, I mean, the, you cannot have a fight of this magnitude fall down because of something that you, should, you would struggle to explain to the man on the street. And you can't, you know, and you're absolutely right. And if whether Dizone can can basically do a one-off pay-per-view, which basically goes against their whole ethos, I guess. I don't know, but surely, George, these things can be can be ironed out in the fullness of time with some cool heads. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> you do. You do. Because next spot, and I think when, when DAZN launched, you could get DAZN in, in the States for a year for $99. Like, that was like, and I couldn't I couldn't understand. You can get DAZN in the UK now. Um, they're premium with um, Alvarez versus Smith. I think it's two or three pounds a month or something crazy. And you're like, so in the States, it's like, the pay-per-views out there are $100 sometimes. If it's a big pay-per-view, it's $100. Or I can get a channel, a sports channel, for an entire year for the same price. It's just, it, it's not even close. Like, there's not even debatable. Um, even if you can't be bothered to get your laptop out and sign up, you would do for that, you know? So how, they, how are they going to bridge bridge that gap? Who's going to get it? 
it, it, to me, it seems like who's going to get it? Is it going to go to ESPN or is it going to go to the zone? I'd imagine if ESPN have paid the money that was um, reported at the start when Fury first signed a deal, it's all on the basis of him fighting Joshua for all the belts or whatever the equivalent is um, that where they recoup that money. Um because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have set the world alight with his first two fights that he had in Vegas. Um, I covered one of them. It was through the night for BT, one of the longest nights of my life. Um, but yeah, so I I just I just don't I just I can't see a, a company like ESPN just letting it go, and I can see it. I can see a company like DAZN being well. Our business model is resting on stuff like this right now. We can't give that away. Um, you know they've rent. They've had to have a, re a shuffle round, you know, um, in terms of, you know, I think I don't know what the deal is now with with Alvarez, who signed this mega, mega deal with the zone and it was carved out. It was nothing to do with um, Eddie Hearn at Matram, who apparently had exclusivity with the zone, but it's not Golden Boy had this one off deal. And anyway, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the Middle East. Sounds like right. You want no fans, but you want to get you want to get the money that you would get if you had fans, right? We'll 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 have it. You know how they. But what was their deal originally? Because they can't just they're not just going to pay money um, just to host something. You know they're going to want something on the back end. You know that are they going to want a split of the you know of the revenue from TV? And that's what that's what usually host host nations do. Again, it's very complicated. You know this is why. I've, Big fights don't happen. This is why Mayweather-Pacquiao didn't happen for so long. You know, uh, it's not because neither of them wanted it. Who doesn't want to earn millions and hundreds of millions of dollars? Like, um, but it'd be, it'd be interesting. I want to say it will happen, but I don't. I I just don't see. I just don't see yet the logistical route to it. But maybe it's already been done. I'm sure, I mean, it's been it's been spoken about for a long time now. I'm sure it's already been done. Stuff has been signed off. They've worked out how they can do it. But sadly, I'm not privy to that, and I, I just I don't know. I don't. I just I just refuse to accept that something. I know I know it's complicated, but surely they'll find a way. And let's assume they do find a way, because otherwise, 2021 might be as bad as 2020. How do, based on last night, assuming obviously there's no chance to see Fury get in the ring how do we see the fight going who do you want to go first uh, I'll go first I'll go first yeah. yeah I think I mean we saw as again we saw a bit more improvement from from Joshua and um each time I see heavyweights box um I, I go oh you know you change your mind I change my mind constantly you know um and I think as the fight will get as the fight gets if the fight gets made and the build-up happens. Um, the train starts rumbling along, and everyone's opinions are jumping in. And then you, you actually sit down and assess and break it down. Um, I think Joshua's Joshua's got to, he's got to hit him and hurt him. He's got to hit him and hurt him to ha to have a bearing on this fight. Um, can he make them adjustments and and find find a home for his big shots? Certain things I don't, uh, I don't think. Uh, the, you know, Joshua's right uppercut yesterday was, um, it worked, it landed, but from a technical point of view, it's not the best shot. It's definitely not a great shot to be 
leading with from long range, stepping in with a big right uppercut because you're leaving so much of your body in the side of your head exposed. So even if you've got your left hand dressed nicely, you think your right uppercut's like is there. So you've got all this side of your face and so much of your body exposed. You never trade an uppercut with a hook, you know, with a guy, you know, with a left hooker. Joshua doesn't, um, Fury doesn't have a huge left hook, but it's enough, you know. And as you say, these guys, are, Fury might walk to the ring at 19 stone. If he lands a check left hook on you, that's going to hurt. So that's like one shot that I think Joshua needs to eradicate if he's going to fight someone as as long and tall and skillful as Fury, you know. Um, it's okay if you're sitting on the chest. Like If he was in on the chest and he's just trying to work away, um, that's a safe shot. Of course, it's a safe shot. but it, he doesn't pull his head off the line when he throws that right uppercut. It's it's a, it's a big, solid, meaty shot, but he leaves himself exposed. Heavyweights get away with it a lot of the time because this, you know, the guy in front of him will be so worried about that shot landing that he's not thinking about um, punching with him or making a quick defense and and countering. He's probably just worried about defending it and making sure it don't land on his chin. I think. A lot of the influential people, um, as in the, the bigger names in in British boxing, will be back in Joshua. Um, maybe because they're friends, you know, they have connections. You know, they work at Sky, and then I think a lot more of the wider boxing community will be back in Fury, and then there'll be some that will sit on the fence and and play, you know, devil's advocate between both. Um, obviously, Fury. I think he's still signed to. Frank Warren, he's an MTK fighter. There's so many MTK fighters, you know, are up and down the country, um, you know, good fighters, um, prospects, everything. And most of their um, fights were on BT at the moment. Um, obviously, Joshua, he's got a bunch of um, fighters that he's signed up with his own management company, as well as him being Sky through and through. Um, so the build-up would be real interesting, I think. It'd be interesting to get a take on people who maybe don't even want to back one fighter, but do because they have to, you know, um, keep it interesting. Um, but I, I think in terms of the way the, way the fight goes, um, I think we'll see another massive improvement from Joshua. Now he's working with some other coaches and he'll know what he's prepping for. Um, it might be a bit of a, a stalemate at the start and then it might take a round or two to catch fire. But... Um, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I'm, I'm sort of carting around the answers uh, around around the question here. But um, it'd be fascinating if Joshua lands a big shot on him, uh, on, on Fury, um, hurts him, you know, in the first couple of rounds. He's got the size to do that and then seeing where it goes from there. But at the same time, Fury might be that bigger man now, marching down and look to put it on him. Um, you still got to say Fury, I think. You still got to say Fury. But by the time it comes up, it'll be very interesting. It'll be very, very interesting what the general consensus is of how this fight's going to go. Mr. Taylor? Uh, I've I've never been, I don't think I've been more convinced about a fight of this magnitude before. I just, I cannot see how Fury loses in any way. I can't see what look Joshua can give him to win because. I don't see him landing anything massive. What I will say, and again, I don't wish to be negative, but I, I reckon it would be a bit of a, a bit of a stinker based compared to 
You just hate boxing, don't you? You just compared to compared to what I mean by that is compared to the magnitude and the excitement levels and just the absolute pandemonium and you know how people are going to be feeling about this fight by if and when it ever gets here. I think it's going to be one of them, hmm, a bit like a Mayweather night where you go, oh, okay, right, okay, it's this because I don't think I think if Fury chooses to box him and get on get on his toes and move around and do a Klitschko, he wins. So I think he could any he could just choose to do that and he wins. And I honestly, there's no disrespect to Joshua. There's nothing. I think Fury is an uh, obviously elite heavyweight and one that you could put in any era and he'd be he'd do okay if not be the man in many of them um and i just feel like if he was if he wanted to box joshua he would and he wouldn't have any problem i i, I, I genuinely can't see what joshua can do in that sort of a fight to trouble him really he, he was working the level really nicely against pulev like jab, that jab to the body it was interesting obviously mayweather was there big Mayweather gym sort of thing, that switching the levels, fainting to the head, jabs, just getting that water in the basement. But I don't think he would do, be able to do that against Fury. He's too clever. And then you think, okay, well, like George said, but what if he lands a big one? <clears throat> so already you're sort of thinking, okay, we're basing this on he's got a puncher's chance. So that's what I mean. Of course, Joshua could knock out Tyson Fury. He could knock out any man in the world. Like if he lands on him, he could. I just think Fury's too smart, too good, too quick, but also too massive. He's like he's like a force field around him if he wants to if he wants to have one. If he chooses to have it and thinks I want to go and make a statement in what is the biggest fight in British boxing history, my legacy fight, I want to go and do what I did to Wilder, maybe then he plays a little bit into Joshua's hands and it becomes a war and he gets a cut or he breaks a hand or something like that. And then of course, but I feel like Fury, it's in Fury's hands to lose. I think it's Fury's to lose. And I've never been, well, the only one I was as sure about this with a super fight was Mayweather Pacquiao. Again, I said, no, I could not see how Pacquiao could trouble him. And again, it was a size thing. And I feel like really, in, in essence, this is a size thing. Joshua's massive, but he's not as massive as Fury. And in the, the end of the day, it comes down to physics. And it's like, he's got those inches and range on him. Plus, he's really, really talented. I think it's... It's furious to lose, but in in however way you look at it. What about you? No, I agree. Uh, I said I remember before before the first Fury Wilder fight. So of course, well, uh, Fury was very much on his way back. I didn't think he'd beat Wilder, but I said he's definitely the best heavyweight in the world. Like he, he just, and I didn't even think it was close, to be honest, in terms of. I think maybe you know Georgie alluded to the other week when we were talking about pound for pound, but I just don't, I don't think it's really close in terms of the who the who he is as a fighter uh, and the attributes that he has. Yeah, that so, is, it's a style thing, isn't it? Don't say it, yeah. but styles make fights. It's a style thing. <laughs> yeah. How do you beat? I just can't see it. Yeah, and then you have Wilder. Okay, so how does Wilder win? Drop. He, he just levels them out with that right hand and I saw it was of course just two years ago the other week since that first fight and I saw that 12th round knockdown again and how the referee didn't wave that fight off I mean any other time that's just done and now nobody argues and it suddenly pops up I mean thankfully he did and everything else but so that was Wilder's chance and he put him down twice and it wasn't enough and then we saw Fury come back and change his tactics uh, and win the rematch and so I yeah I think 
I have to agree, and, and I don't want you know us to say this is going to be huge in six months of great build-up, but actually Fuse is going to going to walk it. But maybe the only way he doesn't win is if mentally he's he's not there. And, and listen, that might happen. Who knows? Maybe he gets so wound up. Maybe he is desperate to knock him out. He's been saying it for so long, and maybe something goes wrong. But if you look at the the attributes of the two men, and like I said earlier, you watch Joshua, and you can't watch him with without that, that little niggling thought. But then Fury's been put down. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, you know, it. if you look at what you know, Fury wins. Fury's been over enough times now, hasn't he? You know, um, yeah. not so much late, but I just think you can't, as then, already thinking about it, you know, um, Fury, uh, Fury lets, a, lets a lazy jab go. It's a check, you know, check right hand comes over the top, a drop back right hand. I mean, you can't tell me that like Joshua ain't going to be prepared for it. He ain't going to be meticulous in his build-up. He ain't going to be drilling the tactics. You know, it, it seems like he's the sort of chap who who likes to be well rehearsed for everything. Even down to the point we were talking about earlier, he didn't feel comfortable in the interview. He doesn't want to do the interview because he's usually very well rehearsed. Um, and now he's bringing in additional coaches. Now, these coaches have got to bounce ideas off, off of each other about how they think they should approach this fight and fundamentally what is Joshua capable of, like in terms of technically what can he do, how would that work, what do we do to take away um, Fury's strengths, what are Fury's strengths? You know, he's, he's quite versatile, he's done many different things throughout fights. How will he prepare for a, for a Joshua fight and how do, how do we deal with it, you know? Um I think you know. If anything, if Joshua's got, he's got a good finish. He's a very good finisher. If he, you know, if he, if he has any sort of success, he's going to jump on Fury. Um, he's going to be hitting him hard. And he just because, just because Fury's the bet that you know, we think he's better the better fighter. In in principle, it kind of means it's like his fight to lose, but. There's obviously so much more to it than that. There always is in boxing, so um, we might see a better, a better Joshua yet. Well, that, that's Joshua, the thing. Yeah. That's why it's not a knock on Joshua, though, is it? Because for me, like I said at the start, I don't, Joshua's not the finished article. He's nowhere near. He doesn't even know. Nobody can even picture what the finished article is. I don't think his coaches can. They don't really know. So, but for me, and Joshua said this a lot. <clears throat> if you look at it, Fury was, you know, Fury's been a professional now for what ten years, longer, much longer. You know, he's far further along the chain. So in, in that sense, it should be Fury that should is the favourite and should be the one who is more established and has a style to beat Joshua. And actually, this would be too early for Joshua. Maybe that's the best way of putting it. Because it's... I get... Yeah, I just... I don't see... I don't see what Joshua turns up because we don't really know what the best Joshua is. But you could sort of make a case that Fury knows what where he's at. Um, but the mentality thing is a big one because what does this do? What does this build up and stuff do to both men? And at the end of the day, they are just two men in there and anything can happen, which we know. But when, like what you said, mine, but what, based on what you know, what you can see right now, I think it's a pretty clear one for, for Fury, but who knows? And it's probably one of them where as the build up goes and goes, we'll all start going like this. But that's the one rule. Don't just whatever you think now, you've got to stick by it. <laughs> 
And, George, you mentioned sort of that Joshua can can prepare for things, but there are some things with Fury you surely just can't. And and let's say let's say yeah. it does start quietly for a few rounds, uh, but it starts quietly in a way that it's in Josh uh, sorry in Fury's favour. He's frustrating Joshua. You know, suddenly the hands are behind the back. Suddenly he's sticking his tongue out. Joshua does not strike me as a man who deals with that very well. And there's no way he can prepare for it. So he's just got to convince himself that he can deal with it because he'll not he'll expect something. But when it happens, I'm not sure he does. And then suddenly, what if he does just throw in the, the kitchen, you know, just go for it? And what if he is still to say a question? What if there are still questions around his gas tank? And then he empties it and he's, he, you know, I can see him losing the fight himself as much as, as much as it being that Fudy wins it. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it's a fight where you might need to change and adapt throughout the fight. You know, you might need to, this, this might be, you know, what you do at the start. All right. You've lost them first few rounds. It's like boxing. You're going to have to write, all right, go change, change, change tactics now, go to plan B or, you know, whatever, whatever's in the locker, you got up your activity. You're going to have to, oh, you got to stop him. You know, if you, if you get, if you get hurt or you get buzzed, you've got to change the tactics. You know what I mean? Like you make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, just survive the round or whatnot. So, Fury, we've seen many different styles. Joshua, the, the, the differences have been much more subtle. Um, he's got six months now, or maybe longer, um, to mentally prepare. If if the Josh uh, if the Joshua Fury fight's going to happen, to mentally prepare to stick to your um, plan. You know, um, fighters have to do it. You know, you might have a a diligent, strict um game plan that you have to follow through no matter what goes on throughout the fight you know and whatever antics are thrown at you it's tough it'll be tough it'll be a battle of um his mental his mental um his, his mental fitness but um it also might even be i'm an emotional one by the time you get to that point you know you're talking about fighters at, at the top level you need to be physically at your A game, mentally at your A game, and emotionally you have to be there. You have to be emotionally sound because boxing is that unique sport where you throw punches at each other. It's it's different. It's you know any any sport you have to have mental strength. You know if you're going to stand up and take a penalty in front of fifty thousand fans in a football game or you know any sport like that. But um, in terms of getting hit and hitting someone, there's that mental and emotional element to it as well but he's got time to prepare he's got time to prepare that'll be fascinating as well to see whether he whether he can he might lose the plot in the build-up fury might lose the plot in the build-up i'm sure he's lost the plot from the outside looking in he's lost the plot numerous times he seems to be in a great place now you know fury he's great though he wouldn't he be brilliant wouldn't he can you imagine what fury's going to be like when he gets touched when he gets Anthony joshua sat in a press conference series of oh, press conferences it's going to be yeah, but I mean, imagine imagine Joshua as a good team. They discuss what they're going to bring up, how they're going to do it, and then the things that they're going to bring up uh, are actually going to get some traction and actually going to have an effect. Now, jo the, the Fury has talked about mental um, problems before. He's talked about being depressed and all these other things, you know, and he's gone from zero to hero in terms of... He, called, he, he, he proclaims himself to be the, the people's champion. Do you know, like... What about if in the build-up to this fight, it's a 50-50 split? And now Fury can't cope with that. He can't cope with people 
not believing that he is the number one division. You know, I, I haven't followed his out of boxing stuff diligently, religiously, or whatever. But he doesn't take do with um, BBC sports personalities. I don't, I don't want. I don't want that. I don't need that. You know, um, I'm the people's champion. That's all that matters. Um, what happens if in the build up to him and Joshua? There are some influential people out there who are saying and converting the casual fans to to backing Joshua. Is he going to cope with that? Is is that is that not going to rile him up and ruin him? Like we we assume that he's a cool, calm, and collected, but is that all based on the fact that he's now everyone loves him? You know, um, and in this era, you know, with social media, and you can you can literally find out what people think about you straight away, instantly. Whereas you know, in a you know couple of decades ago you couldn't you know and you see high profile sports people struggle with adapting to real life because people you found out people didn't really care you know or people used to talk talk nastily about you in the pub behind your back but you never knew about it um because when you meet someone in tesco's or you're queuing up for the post office or something no one goes oh i thought you was a beep you know or yeah they, they say something nice or they say nothing at all, you know? Um, but I think that, I think that'll be fascinating because I just, I, I almost want to see it. I mean, yeah. I don't want to see either of them lose the plot, but you will get some heated debates. We'll get some, um, here's a question, question for both of you, right? Who's the better, more fearsome, actually, who's the more beatable fighter, right? Vladimir Klitschko, 2015 vintage, or Anthony Joshua right now? Um, I'll say. Who's better and who's more beatable? Joshua's more beatable. Oh. Mm. I mean, Klitschko, I think... Klitschko was unbeatable, you know, at that time, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even think... Fury beat the best Klitschko. You know, I think yeah, he got in, got, in Klitschko. got in Klitschko's head, you know, um, didn't, you know, he, he didn't take him seriously or, you know, and that point in his career, um, you know, he's, he was getting on a bit. So I think, um, I think Klitschko, I still, I still go with Klitschko. Like you could argue that if Fury beats Joshua, it wouldn't even be in his top two wins. It'd be his third best win. Yeah, I'd rank him in front of the Wilder um, just because I think Wilder's shown some some limitations like in terms of just so many limitations in terms of his mindset even, you know. Um, Frightening punch power at times has showed how he sets it up but Times not, you know. I think I think I think Joshua Joshua's a better better fighter than than Wilder. I don't say Wilder might be able to just punch straight through the guard and the fight's over if he boxed Joshua. But um, if they each fought, you know, twenty opponents, who would probably look better over all them? It might it might be Joshua. So fascinating, interesting. Yeah, I do think Klitschko would still probably just about be the better win, but. I- I think possibly not not to no, of course it was a great win against Klitschko, but I think 
by beating Klitschko, Fury Pro, they showed that what Klitschko had done up till then, in parts, hadn't been quite maybe as good as as his record suggested. I would argue, but uh, yeah, I think given and and also I think we underestimated Fury hugely way back then as well. Mm. Uh, or I, I certainly did, to be honest. But yeah, you, you're probably right. In a word, yes or no? Does the fight happen next for both men? No. No. Listen, if, if anyone else wants to come on the show next week uh, with a positive <laughs> frame of mind... Fury Wilder 3 and Joshua Usyk. No way. No. <laughs> Joshua doesn't fight Usyk. Uh, Do you know what, Martin, though? You're talking to two people who have been, who have been uh, disillusioned by boxing politics and everything else. Um, the amount of time think just as a fan think of over the years how many times you've been let down by this sport and thought what is going on here and had to defend it to your mates who don't really care about boxing and you're like and in the end you think what no actually maybe you're right I mean George has seen it far more in depth than us but it just seems so fanciful right now that the two of them will be the next fight it just seems like it will be this massive gift. And that's almost how you feel as a boxing fan. When you get something good now, you're like, oh, yes, what a gift. But really, it should just be it should just be that you get the two best people competing against each other, just like they do in every other sport. George, were you in as well? Yeah, no. I think Fury, I don't even think Fury fights Wilder next. He might just have a little knockover in the early part of 2021. Um, and they let the WBO thing play out. I'm not sure... I'm not sure if Joshua fights Usyk, but um, yeah, I can't see them two fighting each other next. I just, I just think wh- when it's going to happen, we'll know. We will know. There won't be no hypotheticals. Um, it'll be done. I don't see the value in keeping it a surprise or shock, shock value. Um, it, it, you know, if you're if you're Matt and Bob Arum, you want this. Um, you want people to know, like to know. Um, You'll sell more pay-per-views if you say, right, once Joshua wins this, then the face-off is in the ring, the contracts are signed, it's, it's done. Um, they didn't do that last night, so yeah. I don't think it's and done. And also, Rob McCracken, one of the best coaches in the world, it's totally so astute, such an intelligent guy. If you're Rob McCracken right now, must know that his guy has got a better chance of beating Fury in 18 months. Six months, 18 months. months. I'm just saying, two years. I'm not saying it's going to take 18 months, but if you if you look at the course of their two careers right now, Joshua's still going like this and Fury's sort of at his peak. And they must know that the later they take it, the longer they leave it, the better chance Andy Joshua's got of, of winning. And I'm not saying anyone's going to try and pull any fast ones and try and delay this, but I'm just saying it's if it gets delayed and delayed and delayed, it's only in one camp's favour as far as I can see. I can definitely see Fury fighting. I mean, he, he should have fought last weekend. Yeah. Or at least it was talked about. So I can definitely see him fighting and other early in the new year. But uh, Merry Christmas, boxing fans. I hope you yeah. <laughs> But anyway, this is why we're here. And it certainly is, as you say, that we, we have been here before with other fights. And we've had to wait. Hopefully it's not 18 months, but we shall see. I mean, we spent almost an hour just talking about it, and it's and it's not signed. So, listen, we'll hopefully have months to talk about it when it is. But a fight that is happening, definitely happening in six days' time. It feels weird to say actually, Carl Smith defending his 
world title against Canelo Alvarez, his WBA title. There will also be the WBC title and Ring Magazine titles online in Texas in front of fans again. George, it's come around quickly in the sense that it's been talked about for a long time, but of course it looked like Billy Joe Saunders' fight uh, in May, then that was off, understandably. And then Canelo had his legal dispute with the zone and with Golden Boy. And then I spoke to actually to Joe Gallagher the other day, and he said, they, when it was announced, when Canelo said, I'm announcing my opponent at midnight or 11 o'clock, whatever time it was, they did not know it was Cal Smith. So, so it was news to them as well that, it, that he had the fight at four or five weeks' notice. But Cal Smith strikes me as someone who stays in the gym. But to have four weeks to prepare for Canelo specifically can't be a great thing. No, it's definitely not. Definitely anyone. Anyway, if you're a world champion, do you really want four or five weeks' notice to prepare and get your head in the zone for for a fight? Um, I'm sure Kamsov is in the gym. He's a big guy, so he, he might have to be in the gym just to keep his weight in some sort of order. Otherwise, he's, he's never going to make the weight. You know, when on a you know a full camp's notice, um, or just would naturally just bulk up and you know just not come not come back down. So. Yeah, I understand if he's in the uh, in the gym, but that's not the same as preparing for any sort of fight. Um, someone like Smith, who has underperformed so many times before, um, and he's usually against opposition that you think is just beneath him, which Canelo's not. But it show it shows that that lull in you know your brain activity when you should be switched on for a big fight. Um, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough for him. You know, he's, he's going there with the, with the superstar of world boxing right now. He's going to Mexico. It's, it seems like even the way this fight has come about, um, they've made him feel inadequate or insignificant where, you know, oh, we'll let you know whoever it is, you know, at midnight tonight. Oh, it's you. And he doesn't even know it's him. You know, uh, I'm obviously... Uh, I assume that he was on some sort of waiting list that he knew he knew he was a, a potential candidate, but um, that's not cool. That's not that's not ideal. But that's that's what that's what you do is have the the higher you know the up the upper hand on on someone um, on fighter fighter to fighter um, bravado before any sort of fight. Um, I think it's. Uh, I'd, yeah, back to his. I don't think he's. I don't think he's quite enough time. But he probably just feels like, well, I need this fight. You know, there's, there's nothing else out here for me. Nothing. No other fights are getting made. Um, this is a, a huge fight for me. It's an opportunity that if I miss it now, who knows what division Canelo's going to be fighting in next? When that fight will ever come around again? Um, the risk reward is there. I assume he's getting paid a lot of money for it. You know, he's now they've thrown the WBC belt in as well. Um, that's fantastic. If I was if I was Smith, that'd be the best part of it. That'd be the best news to become another world champion. Um, and obviously having the the uh, the status of beating you know pound for pounds, one of if not the best fighter in the world right now. Um, down would be that you know I'd want to make a big song and dance about it. if I'm gonna fight. Um, Alvarez, then I want a six-month lead-in time. I want, you know, I want to, I want to do a press conference in Mexico, in Vegas, in London. You know, I want just streamers out, drums beating, everyone excited, have a full camp, um, 
and then just make sure the whole world is watching when I beat this guy. So I think it, he's not going to have that. Um, I don't know what effect that will have on him because this fight is slightly different for Smith than it is for Smith uh, for, for Alvarez, I feel. Alvarez is probably just like, it's another day at the office. Um, not that it's a foregone conclusion that he beat Smith, but Smith's not the name. You know, he's not a name. He probably had nerd of him until recently. Hadn't seen much of him unless he's one of them fighters who's right into his boxing and follows everyone. Um, whereas everyone in the UK has heard of um, Callum Smith. Uh, I've heard of Alvarez and, you know, Smith obviously knows knows Alvarez, wants to be that guy. So, um, yeah, interesting, real interesting. You fought Callum Smith. I appreciate it didn't go the way you wanted to, but what did you, how, what was the plan going into the fight? What had you seen that you, you were going, planning to exploit? Well, he's a big, he's a big guy. He's, he's a really tall um got heavy hands good finisher when he when he hurts you um check check left hooks pretty good um you know i mean if i if i'm the tactics for me to beat to beat smith would to be have a razor fast uh, left hand i'll be changing that head and body i'll be punching punching up and punching down so it might be you know jab up straight right to the body jab down straight right to the head look to mix and match and then i'll change um change the angle of the right hand so it will come straight it will come maybe screw it straight through the middle bend it around the side pull it behind the elbow um every 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 sort of shot like that knowing that he's gonna want to catch and fire with his left hook and when i when i boxed him that's that's the shot he caught me with it caught me right on top of the head it hurt very good finisher um sort of um shook the uh, shook the brain a little bit Backed up, slightly dizzy, comes in, it's good finish. Um, catch me with a good body shot. Um, and then uh, I go down and, you know, just um, I think the wind, wind was knocked out of me. Um, still a little bit shaky in the head, didn't make didn't make the count. Um, but, the, you know, I needed to have a faster jab that night, like like I you know, had before, but my, my arm wasn't, just wasn't up for it throw caution to the wind a little bit i wanted to apply i felt like this fight there's not a lot going on let's try and put a bit a few more right hands involved um but you obviously once once you, you you're letting your hands go then you, you're more susceptible to getting the the block of fire and getting caught with shots that, that smith does but at that point it was just like well might as well do this i don't i'd rather i'd rather risk it then you know not put a lot of faith in what the judges are seeing here this is a close fight i think i was up maybe a round or so in the fight up until that point but nothing really had happened um so yeah in terms of your, your um your prepping your tactics for someone like smith obviously you are always going to give away a lot of size you know but alvarez is he's a smaller target so that's going to be difficult for smith to, to land on um doing the, the the mexican um pulling pulling away from the shot looking away from the shot to counter with um smith wants to punch straight through the target so you can't finish your shot three inches uh beyond beyond the chin because he'll just move his head and that's not enough um, he's got to finish his shots a foot, if you know, a foot beyond the chin, so that 
he's going to punch straight through the target. Obviously, when you do that, you're kind of more susceptible to getting countered because you're more committed. Um, and then when you do miss, you miss more more drastically and more you could be more off balance from it and you might end up even burning up more energy doing that. So Smith's always been described as a great inside fighter. He is a good inside fighter. He, he, he puts his shots together well. I think that's why he was very interesting um, in the, you know, at the start of his career when he was coming through, because usually when um, tall guys are in against guys that are much shorter and they get in close, they end up just getting messy and ugly and you know the tall guys can't let their hands go. They get tangled up, whereas he he punches well um, from the inside. Bent arm shots, he can get through the middle, he can find them angles in and around the elbows through, you know, and then up through the guard. But I just, I think, I think Canelo's just too good, too good. Um, Smith has just been too flat too many times. And even at his very best, I mean, I get, I try, <laughs> I've, I've tried years and years, years to not, <laughs> to not say it, but uh, the win over me is flattering. You know, I was nowhere near the, the shape that I should have been in. I had to crash the weight. I, you know, I was not fit, hadn't done any sparring. I wasn't ready for that fight. I thought I was all right, but I wasn't. Um, so that win against me is flattering. And then, you take that out of the picture, what other performances has he got over huge names that will put him in with a chance against someone like Alvarez, who's been a top quality operator, has you know dealt with the pressure of being that guy, being up against big guys um, before. I don't think um, Swift's got enough. I think I think I think Canelo uh, beats him, um, beats him to the punch, um, and um, just a little bit too slick and too quick for Smith. I think I think Alvarez wins. Declan, you cannot draw on your insight of fighting Cam Smith, but or Canelo, how do you see it going? You are a yeah, six foot four super middleweight, though, Deck. What's that like? Yeah, well, he's the same height as me. I don't think I've seen twelve stone since I was about twelve. To be fair, so I don't know how he does it. Um, he, uh, he, I, I'm, I'm sort of the one thing that he's got on his size. In this one thing he's got on his size. The one thing he's got on his side is size. But it's not even like the jury's out on Canelo on how he deals with tall guys because okay, Rocky Fielding's a different, you know not the same level as Callum Smith, as Callum Smith proved when they fought each other, but also the Sergei Kovalev fight, which, I mean, Kovalev wasn't at his best, but he's still a big guy. I mean, he's even bigger than Smith. So he doesn't have a problem. In fact, I would even argue that he looks good against tall people because of his style um, and because of the way he moves his trunk and how he operates in the pocket. And I think that Callum Smith's obviously got a really nice left hook to the body, for instance. I just, I just see Canelo his skill set, like the catch and counter with the right uppercut and combinations off of that and then rolling out. I just, I can see, I've just seen that Canelo's got an answer for all of Smith's strengths at the moment. But the one little thing, the little intangible is sort of what George alluded to is Canelo, this is not a massive fight for Canelo. Okay, he's got, there's two world titles on the line, but it's not like a Golovkin. It's not, he's not preparing for a fight like that as far I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not inside his head, but you would only assume that that's, there are levels to how you prepare and there are certain things that opponents do to your 
um, your mindset and your mind frame in camp and whatever else. And I just wonder whether he might overlook Smith in a way. And not, I'm not saying overlook him and he hasn't trained and he doesn't care and he thinks it's easy, but maybe there's something that you just can't, you can't turn on and off. It's just something that gives you a fire in the belly or it doesn't. And if there's any of that, then maybe Smith can capitalise on it because Smith knows this is the fight of his life. This is the big one. This is the one. This is the one that he's dreamt about all those years and hours toiling away as an amateur and then as a professional. It all comes down to this fight. This is the one where everything changes. He's only had four weeks to prepare for it. Maybe he's had, what, 29, 30 years or whatever, however old he is to prepare for it. Um, so that's the... That's the chance. That's the only chance I can see is that Canelo, his eyes off the ball slightly, and then he's got a big, heavy-handed guy in front of him who this means the world to. Um, I think it's a fascinating fight, and I think, with all that being said, I still think it's probably the best fight that can be made at super middleweight. So you can't even run that down. Um, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because it is a week away, and it doesn't feel like... And I don't know if it's due to the, the the world we live in right now. It doesn't quite it hasn't quite captured the imagination. Um, but that will mean nothing to Callum Smith. I'm sure he doesn't care, or Joe Gallagher, or the brothers, or everyone in that camp. Who cares? That is, means nothing to them. But it just it just feels like a bit too much of an ask. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope next week we sit down and we go, boys, we got that one wrong. We got we hold our hands up. I really hope that. And I shouldn't you know you shouldn't say that as a journalist, but. Callum Smith deserves it, I feel. And, um, yeah, I mean, what a win it would be for him. Uh, to be honest, what a win it would be for British boxing as well. So, um, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I just think Canelo, I mean, for me, I would say right now he's probably number one, isn't he, pound for pound, when all things considered. Um, so when you really think about that, can Callum Smith be the number one pound for pound guy? I mean, it would be one of the greatest wins in British boxing history without a shadow of a doubt. He's definitely gone under the radar. Possibly, uh, as you mentioned, George, this is the zone's first. Well, it's a worldwide deal. It's not just in the UK, but the fight will be on the zone. It is only one ninety nine a month uh, initially. People do want to sign up, but again, there's no, there won't be any. Well, I, I assume it will be on be something on Sky Sports. Well, will it? I don't know. Will it over the week? But there's not going to be any sort of same build up as as you're right. There should be for this huge fight. Mm. But if if Canelo can't, and I understand what you're saying, and you may well be right, but a third Golovkin fight, I'm not even sure he's that bothered about that. If he's not up for this fight or is not treating this fight as seriously as he can treat a fight, there are no fights. Are there out there that he can treat as being Yeah, it's bigger? not. I, I'm not saying it's not about not being up for it. He's obviously going to be up for it. He's going to be in amazing shape and whatever else. But I don't know. It just always strikes me that you either, you either care about your opponent or you don't, really. And like George said, I'm sure he hasn't been that aware of Callum Smith for that long because why would he? He was a, he was a light middleweight until a couple of years ago and he was sad his mind focused on other things. So I'm not saying he doesn't, he doesn't care. It's just, it might just be that little, it's a bit like with Klitschko when people were just turning up and he was just beating them, he was just beating them, he was beating them. And it's a different thing when you, same with Joshua and Ruiz, it's a different thing then when that changes. And I just wonder whether this could be the one where Alvarez is not quite at the races for whatever reason. And Callum Smith is. But you look at, if you look at the fight in terms of how hard is it for, um, so Alvarez, this fight is just as hard, if not harder, than a Golovkin fight. You know, um, who would you rather fight? Which, you which know? actually, George, which you could argue he didn't win either of them. I'm just going to put that out there. So, 
you're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So in terms of the dif the difficultness of this fight, if you're gonna operate a super middleweight and you're not, you you can make middleweight. That's tough. Like that's tough. If you look at the other names, even like a Caleb Plant, who's a big super middleweight, very difficult to to hit. Benavidez, you know, and there's he's had problems. Like, well, I assume there were problems. He's left his own and then come back to the zone. He's not going along with Golden Boy, like. Why is that? Like, what has Golden Boy let him down? Has there been a big bust up, big fallout that no one's like fully aware of? Has he just slowly implemented his own team and his own people that he wants to, you know, save some money? Or what is that? He's been he's had so many names linked to this fight that's now happening last minute in December, and the names of the quality of opposition has been drastic. Huge levels of like who's going to fight, but if he's going to fight um, a fully fledged super middleweight world champion in Smith, he's going to have to be switched on for this fight. It's going to be a hard fight, you know, if he's not at the races. Um, and I, I said this as soon as the fight was made, you know, that there's so many tangibles outside of the ring that might have an effect in the ring. It's, it's in many ways, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to, to make a prediction. Um, is he fuming? Like, is he is he is he angry? Is he seething? Is he fighting on his own for a third of the money that he should be, you know, or or less, you know? And how's that? Is that going to spur him on, make him perform better, or is that going to have a negative effect on his performance? You know, who knows? Who who knows? It makes it interesting. I think it makes it a little bit more interesting to um, this fight. But um, and it, for me, it's just a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame. If I was Smith, I still would be a little bit gutted that. This fight hasn't been six months in the making, you know. We have, you know, if he if he gets this this win, it might semi go under the radar for him um, in terms. It won't be the huge momentous win that it could have been. Now that it's you know it's going to be the first fight on a brand new platform in the UK, the zone. It's not going to be his biggest fights have come away from Sky. Actually, really. Um, yeah, these fights in the Super Series, which were on ITV. Um, this one now is on the zone. Um, since since being a champion, he's had um, two two wins. One was on an undercard. One, one was free to air against um, Ryder. But yeah, that's just me. I've always got to find something to moan about. <laughs> no, it's. Uh... Certainly a fascinating fight, and, and listen again. Credit that it's however it's happened, whoever's earning what. Credit that it, that it is happening. What a way to to go out, pretty much the year. And we will be back, of course, on Sunday, just a few hours after it, if everyone's awake to review. Just finally, this week, there's a there's a huge discussion going on at the moment about concussion in sport, football, initially rugby as well, and I feel like that's what's led to. Some discussion now as well, once again, about the safety of boxing, about why we do it, should it be banned, etc., etc. And of course, there are counter arguments that you've made them in the week about what it does for people. And there's a massive difference between fighting in an amateur gym as you grow old, as you grow up, and then fighting professionally. And, and sure, you know, we saw it last night how brutal it can be. Correct me if I'm wrong, George, but I don't think you would say that boxing saved you or anything. But presumably, way back in your you know younger days, it taught you, as is often said, discipline, self-respect, etc., to respect others as well. 
Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, all all the all the cliche um, traits that come with being a working class kid who takes up boxing, it does. It installs discipline. Um, you have to uh, be accountable. You have to be dedicated. You have to make sacrifices. There's there's loads of things that um, are good lifelong lessons that you pick up as a kid. Um, this one is a slippery slope, really. Do you know what I mean? If you're gonna if you're gonna throw boxing under the bus first and use it, use it because you can't get your literally want a better word. You can't get your head around it that it's two people trying to knock each other unconscious. Yeah, and I said it earlier on the show that you know boxing has um physical at the top level you have to be physical mental and emotional there's that emotional element and some people it just won't be for them like some people when i talk to them they just can't comprehend getting punched in the face like that's weird that's bizarre and for me it makes no i've been doing it my entire life there's there's no quite like there's no squealing inside my belly at the thought of that so but but, but the concern about throwing boxing under the bus is that for, for health reasons is that what next? Like where are we going to, you'll, you'll end up eradicating sport if you don't want to do anything that's slightly risky because it's each to their own and everyone's different. And that's like part and parcel of why people love sport. Sometimes people can, um, you know, they're, they're a fan of the sport and then they want to dip their toe in, you know, lots of journalists, you know, end up, doing boxing classes, you know, uh, because they love the sport so much, but they haven't, they haven't decided to pursue it um, professionally or they, it's more of a, more of a hobby. But if you're going to start picking on sports for being dangerous, like are we going to start? What about motorsports? You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather be slipping shots than driving at 200 plus miles an hour around, around a racetrack. You know, that's more dangerous for me. Um, rugby, football, all them concussive um, things that pick up throughout your career are going to have an effect on you. you know, they're going to, they are, they are going to have an effect. Um, but it's each to their own. If you, people, people need sport. Like we realized that this year in, in lockdown when people need sport, like they need that release, you know, they need that camaraderie uh, when they, they, that's something to talk about with their, with their friends. Um, reason to, to leave the house of course it, you know the the mental and physical well-being from it of the health benefits of being fit being switched on every 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 parent wants their kids to do sport you know wants their kids to be um sporty because they know it's good for them you know and i feel like we're gonna end up in a period where through people worrying about being safe all the time that we're going to end up with sport that's zero contact, you know, um, because I love snooker, but if it was the only sport, I'd probably get sick of it. And I do love snooker. So, um, yeah, I just think, I think the article that I saw that, uh, was like, it's not for me no more. It come out the, the, the week of the pay-per-view fight, um, made no real sense. It's like, it's not for you. Great don't watch, you know, just don't watch. Um, there's plenty of things out there that are not for me. I just, I just don't watch them. I don't write an article. Write an article. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, to, to get down to the argument, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, I'm not exactly sure how to how to break it down, but having a fight is kind of it's kind of normal, isn't it? Like, it's a it's a it's been around forever. It's like it's, you know, and to do it in a controlled environment um, is a good thing. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I should I'm not exactly sure um, how to put it, but. I, I just I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't I mean I just don't agree that um punching someone's a bad thing if it in that situation. So yeah, I don't know. But but maybe maybe just because I've boxed forever. Who knows? I think what, what was strange for me about that uh, story, he said I watched a dozen fights a year and now I've realised that it's really bad. Well boxing hasn't changed. No. So it felt a bit opportunistic, but Declan, obviously you had some brief thoughts in the week, but floor is yours. Yeah, I just, I mean, obviously I didn't like the article. I mean, I didn't really care for the article. What I did take massive exception to was the final paragraph, which literally said PS, um, or, you know, the the argument that it saves lives is the least convincing of all. First of all, I'm like, okay, well, what's a more convincing argument then? What, that it makes you fit I, like, I don't understand what could be more convincing than that um and it clearly obviously then just drew, drew a line and said i'm not up for i'm not up for a debate on this in any way and it's like okay well then fine like don't watch boxing if you don't if you don't i it's, it's cool i don't understand why i needed to read that in the times like my mum doesn't really watch boxing she doesn't go and write about it like nobody cares what I do, but what I do take massive exception to is this idea that it doesn't. There's there's no value to the fact that it saves lives. George mentioned snooker there. I mean, snooker hasn't saved lives. It might have changed a couple, made a few bloke, blokes rich. But the reason for that is because there's no peril. There's no risk involved. I mean, you could get pretty risky. You could get pretty heated. You might get, end up getting hit hit by a cue after a particularly you know difficult and. Uh, Tetchy match with someone, but the fact is, you don't. There's no peril in snooker, and that's why it will not change the lives of people of young kids who need something, because there's no reason to go in there and actually apply themselves. There's no reason to go into a, I don't know, are there snooker clubs? Well, they obviously. Snooker. Where do you learn? Where do you cut your teeth? You don't go into a club. You don't even football, the most popular sport in the country. You can go and get away with it. You've got no reason to turn up and really respect everyone. And you don't walk in the first day and realise, okay, there is always going to be someone bigger and badder than me. I better, like, there you go. My ego is left at the door. I'm going to start applying myself. These lot, I'm going to support this per this this person. For instance, one, one of the coaches at one of the clubs that I spent time at, Dougie, you know, the guy made you feel like 100 metres tall when you walked out of there. And that what that would do to a kid who's never had that before is just, it, you, it's beyond, you know, you can't even explain that. And the problem is that you get naysayers often, for the most part, have never spent any time in a boxing club, for first and foremost, whether that's a matter of privilege that they've never had to, or that it's out of choice that they've never fancied it because it can be daunting. But as soon as you spend any time in a boxing club, you realise, like for me, as a journalist and someone who covers this sport and therefore publicizes it a lot sometimes you can be at a fight or something happens in the world of boxing someone gets hurt someone gets their life changed forever killed you know whatever it is you do start thinking what what is all this about like what what are we doing this for and then 
you go back to the club or you you remember that the, the ch lives it's changed and the problem is is that in the article in particular and what the naysayers always say is that there's the lethal risk if someone dies it's because you've done the job too well and all that sort of stuff actually go to an amateur club that lethal violence is the last is the furthest thing away from the truth that's not what it's about you could have club kids who boxed 50 60 times they've never they could never really even get hurt any like really seriously hurt in any way they might have got more hurt playing rugby so it's not about lethal violence for the most part okay yeah at the top upper echelons that's what it becomes but and then you get an opportunity for these guys to make a lot of money and i was speaking to uh ron lewis a, a very established journalist in england and you know been doing it for years and years and he made a very good point which summed it up for me go and ask them why they do it go and ask these kids why they do it and then and then someone like the journalist who wrote the, the piece you know basically saying boxing should be that it's not for him anymore and it's brutal and all this sort of stuff then you might get some idea go and ask these kids why they choose to go and box at this point and what it does for them because that is the only thing you're going to need to hear and i think that that really sums it up for me because and the, the problem is that you can't even get across to people because at the end of it it's still like well they don't need to punch each other in the head it's like actually i'm sorry but they do because that's the that is what gets these kids engaged with it and that is that element of peril is what um makes boxing different to all the others and and, and why no other sport in the world can do for lives what boxing does very well said. Very well said. George, I will George, just, I, will I know, just, know you said, you said you, you're getting punched in the face doesn't bother you, but what thoughts did you give during your career? What thoughts do you give now that you're retired to the fact that you have been repeatedly punished? Well, I'm sure you, you did plenty of punching as well, but you know what I mean? You've taken a lot of blows. And what are your thoughts and fears, perhaps, of, of what that means for your later life? Well, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> I'm sure I'm at a much higher percentage of getting dementia or something like that and i hope that one day i don't get that um it's, it's obviously it's a genuine concern but it's concern that kind of was aware of from the get-go from the start from being a tiny kid um and stuff like that you just don't care about when you're a kid anyway so but the clubs up and down the country they're always run by brilliant people who they're the ones who change your lives in many ways. You know, they're the ones that that instill all the you know all the traits that you'll need in, in future life to be a good a good human being, to be a successful, happy human being. Um, and if you're no good, they ain't gonna you know it's not the idea of kids going in and just getting pummeled by um, other kids. You know, I was you know I was at the Dale Youth ABC, was the best one of the best clubs in London, if not one of the best clubs in the country. Obviously, they've had an Olympic champion, James Agal, numerous, numerous national champions. But he was always taken care of. Ernie Harris, he's he's not with us no more. Uh, the competition secretary, one of the nicest people you could ever meet, right? And you know the matchmaking. You're talking about like kids who are like 14 years of age, and when he's matching for a club show, they, the weight has got to be within a pound of each other. You know, uh, and sometimes he, like, this kid's four months older and he's had three more fights. Like, Ernie, I don't care, mate. Just get me a fight. You know, anything will do. Like at this point, there's no one left. I'm just, I'm a big lad for the weight. I'll take, I'll take anything. So that they have your safety is paramount. You know, it's it's professional boxing where you know it becomes a little bit more acceptable, but that's because adults are in control of their own lives to a certain degree, and and 
sometimes need a little bit of saving from themselves. There are there are some safety elements to boxing that I feel there could be some improvements being made of. Like um, for one, that the you know all the all the major governing bodies now want you to do um, weight checks in the build up to a to a fight, but um, it's kind of like it's a false a false uh, a false negative because. If you're, it doesn't matter about your weight. It's about your hydration levels. Because if you, if your hydration levels are low, that's when you, um, you know, you could sustain an injury. So you need to test fighters' hydration levels compared to their championship weight. Um, but you're opening up a hornet's nest if you're doing that, because all of a sudden there's going to be kids out there who can't make the weight no more, and they might be a multiple weight. Uh, they might be a, a unified world champion at a particular weight, and now they, you know, they're going to have to move up a division or two. But boxing is—it does save lives. You know, it's, it's not just—it's not just cliche. You know, um, it turns people's lives around. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's available to anyone. You know, um, it's from in in this country. There's always a local club that's within a commutable distance from pretty much everyone in the country, and you know, for me, you know working class background um grew up in a in a um in a house my mom and dad didn't own you know my mom and dad didn't go to university there um and yet i've managed to secure my future for me and my kids through boxing you know dad to work hard i had to dedicate myself maybe i could have done that in another field but boxing's allowed me to do that you know um many fighters you know amateur fighters they want to turn pro and i talk to them and i'm like Enjoy your boxing, mate. Enjoy your boxing because I'm not sure it changes when you turn pro. But at the same time, they're looking at me going, "How can you tell me pro the pro game's no good for you? You just showed up in a big flash car, like you ain't got a job. <laughs> Go to work." Like so, I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it it it, it can do so much for so many." And um, it's, it's it's it was it was a bit it was a bit of a. a but you know, I wasn't I wasn't keen on on the article where it's like, yeah, I've watched it, and now I don't think I will. It's like, all right, great, you know, but um, that's just because it, well, you just got nothing to watch right now. Um, I don't think it's that brutal, you know. There, there's far more brutal sports out there, um, and there's far more dangerous sports out there. So um, boxing is the noble art. It's been around for ever it's arguably the oldest sport there is and um long may it continue and long may people watch it and enjoy it and long may it change lives well i can't well, put it any better than, than that let's hope uh, that's that continues with joshua and fury next year nah. so that is all for this <laughs> that's all for this week for our first live show largely smooth as i mentioned we will be back next week with First look at Canelo Alvarez against Callum Smith, see how that fight went down. And then, well, there won't be much happening the week after that, but I'm sure we will find plenty of fights to look ahead to. Please do, as I said, give the video a thumbs up, give the channel a subscribe, rate and review the podcast. If you're listening, thank you, Declan, thank you, George. It's been a pleasure, as always, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>